it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Race is 69 can eat shit because the Hoosiers still get the victory in Columbus, 76 to 73. And you know what that means. We cannot falter in the battle. We're tried and true. Indiana or Indiana, Indiana, we're all for you. Indiana with the 76 to 73 victory. Man, what a ride that game is. You know, there's peaks and valleys in the season. This game was arguably the largest valley and peak in Indiana's season in those two halves. Heading into this game, these were two fan bases that were feeling a lot of the same way. Just just, just on a stretch of poor performances. You know, a few wins tossed in there, but two fan bases that could relate right now. A team that's lost four of its last five and a team that's lost six of its last seven played each other that is truly a very movable object meeting a very stoppable force and luckily the Hoosiers got the victory luckily no I'm not even saying luckily this episode because the Hoosiers brought the effort they you can say effort's dumb you can say it's a way to quantify you know when you can't you don't know ball you're just saying effort and dude look at the two halves of that Indiana basketball game and tell me effort isn't tangible tell me that like it's one thing for your team to you know, any given day they can show up and be another team. Any given half for this Indiana team. Thank God that half. The second half was just way better. I mean, not even way. Look at the score differential. The second half was better. The second half was more good than the first half was more bad. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but that's what I mean. And before I get into Trey's huge game, and yeah, I didn't even run down that. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I'm introing this game. Sorry, I'm excited. That was a fun game. I, I get, Yeah, I'm wrapped up in just the way the Hoosiers came off the floor that game. And uh, yeah, I'll be recapping that episode as I am right now, currently. Uh, just doing a quicker one here because I am going to be tacking in a portion of the episode I did with Tim Miller of the Views from the Shop podcast. Immediately following this game, I hopped on his show, and uh, I am going to throw that in here for you. After that, I'll get into the Indiana program news. Not a lot for this recording because, you know... It was a quick turnaround, and uh, no news is good news in most cases for basketball programs. So, yeah, let's just pat ourselves on the back in that regard then. After that, we're getting into the conference-wide news, some news around the world of college basketball. Before getting into the Purdue preview, and for this pre- Purdue preview, I am tacking in another portion of an episode I did on the Boiler Express podcast just 30 minutes before I'm recording this. Just sat down, got the opportunity to hop on the Boiler Express podcast, and uh, you know what? They they are Purdue fans. They, it's uh, Yeah. It is what it is, but you know what? There's some good guys. I do like that show. I like the chemistry they have together. Yeah, it's a good time, and uh, I can't thank them enough for allowing me to come on. So I'm going to be uh, throwing that in here as well for the Purdue preview portion before getting into the Hoosier history hit and then getting you on out of here. Thank you so much for listening to the Often Taunted Podcast. I am your host, Burke White, who was too excited to introduce himself at the top of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribe to the show and you you know you feel like you like this episode please feel free to hit me with that subscribe follow me everywhere at often daunted all the socials out there at often daunted all right back into the episode now before getting into trey's huge game say what you will about how we feel about this season as a whole say what you will about how we feel about this season as a portion even though i'm sure he would rather have team success from the bench the manner in which anthony leal has delivered in each of the hoosiers last two victories is awesome 
to see a guy we pulled for for so long have those moments. Just an all-around game for Anthony, including two blocks on his day, ending the game with the last six points for the Hoosiers. That is clutch gene. Anthony Leal has become the Hoosiers' clutch gene. Now, that wasn't on your bingo card for this year's Indiana basketball season, but God, you know what? I'm going to accept it. I'm going to accept it because Anthony Leal's success is a great thing to see. He's having his moments, and he is going to have the opportunity to have a moment in West Lafayette. Glad to see he, I mean, that shot was huge. That three-pointer, absolutely cold-blooded to knock that down and just see the look on the Ohio State fans' faces when they realized it was happening again. Before really digging into Trey again, sorry, one more person. Kalel Ware, I just wanted to bring him up initially. Just a quieter night, six points, three for ten from the floor. But it seems like at those three buckets came at big moments, the big moments when we needed them in the second half, and uh, it wasn't his typical performance. Only one rebound on the day as he was as he was limited to 26 minutes in this one. But, I mean, Malik Renew made up, made up for it and then some. Malik Renew, 26 points on the night, now becoming a typical feature of this young man, just absolutely becoming a force in this conference, and it's just so nice to see. 8 for 15 from the floor, 14 rebounds. 14 rebounds. Malik Renews was, was muscling out there. He was, Akpar is no pushover. The, the, the front court that Ohio State was putting out there, they want to grab those boards. And Indiana, Malik Renew included, was able to find something in them that they, they have long been missing this season. And, man, it, it pays off in the historic comeback for the Hoosiers. A historic comeback after those historic losses is so welcomed on the show. You know what? I'm going to go through the last two starters before Trey Galloway because you know, it's, it was a Trey Galloway game. I want to hold him to the last. I want to discuss him last. Mackenzie Mbako with nine points in this game. Two for two from free throws. You know, that's expected to, you're expected to see that by now from McKenzie, who just like is absolutely setting the curve for Indiana free throw shooting. I mean, he's one of the better freshmen in the country. And uh, yeah, he definitely helps that average, which is already poor. It is pretty remarkable how well McKenzie shoots free throws with how bad this team is overall at it. Like I said, not the loudest game, but he was doing things on the defensive end. He was becoming, it's it's all coming together. He's rounding out into the player that we needed him to be. The player that we, I mean, for better or worse, hoped he could be. He, he is becoming a reliable contributor. Nine points in this one, not his, you know, healthiest <laughs> hall of production, but nonetheless, he was he was involved in the little things. And he, he, he got a shot up 12 times. Getting shots up for McKenzie is of the utmost importance. He's not going to find his rhythm unless he's getting those shots up. Good to see that he did. You, you, you know, you, you have to hope that he can hit him at a higher rate than 25%. So I'm just going to say, hey, keep letting it rip because that'll, that'll just go up. And Gabe Cubs, you know, one for three, two points, two assists, tacked onto that, one steal. Gabe Cubs got real feisty in that second half. You know, he was defending them the best he could. That officiating, I'm sorry if you're like, you're going to complain about officiating. No, that officiating was insane. What was Gabe supposed to do at any point? Like, the officials were, any defense on the cutting point guard was all but illegal, it seemed. The the, the lane was open. And, uh, yeah, they, it, the ticky-tack fouls were just so disheartening to see for Gabe Cubs. And they weren't his fault at all. That offici- The officiating were the reason for those ones. Gabe Cubs overall, I mean, I'll just say this. We're asking a freshman to do a lot, and he contributed to the Indiana Hoosier win in this game. So you can't really complain. This kid is he's stepping up to the occasion to hold it down um, as best he can for the Hoosiers. I am glad. I am glad he is getting this experience. It is going to pay dividends down the road, and it's going to be special to see what this kid can do in Assembly Hall when all is said and done. Need more shots. Need more shots up, but it'll come. It'll come with Gabe, and uh, glad to see him part of this team effort, this team victory. Now, the man of the hour, Trey Galloway, our captain. Oh, captain, our captain. 
25 points on 9 for 15 from the floor, 3 for 4 from deep, perfect at the line on his four attempts, six rebounds, six rebounds, and yeah, just absolutely speak so much volume to what he was bringing today and he he was bringing it far longer I I feel like his play in the first half almost what what little Indiana what little fight Indiana was providing in that first half uh, part of it was Trey Trey kept us within range of a historic comeback and you know what sometimes with this backward as it is right now that's all you can ask your captain to do and he did it great here he did it miraculously you know this was an all-american performance. This was an All-American performance. If Trey is doing this every game, he is a first-team All-American. Ain't nobody going to do that every game, but it's in him. It's in him. Those six rebounds, like, I mean, the most noticeable one being the rebound off the rim he got himself just to put back to a bunch of Buckeyes standing around watching, but Trey was just on it, man. Of those 25 points, 19 of those come in the second half, putting it on when, you know, it's winning time. This is when winning is done. Way to go, Trey. I, I, I just still think this guy has the single best finishing move in college basketball with that spin he does in the post. But the, the only shame is you can't do that every play or else the defense will know you're going to do that every play. Yeah, it was, it was so great to see him do it in so many different ways in this game. Shooting from the three, just the manner in which he was getting to the rim. Like, Trey brought, he brought an All-American performance in tandem with elite commitment in this one. Like, just cheers to the elite commitment in this one from our captain. As abysmal as that first half was, like... Credit to the Hoosiers for coming out of the break with just a defensive tenacity that has been unparalleled for the season. The Hoosiers found their footing defensively, and after shoring it up a bit, Gabe Cubs, Trey, and Anthony all did very well to limit the damage of Ohio State's talented backcourt tandem in the second half. This would have been a, would have been a matchup that, on paper, Ohio State should have utterly just run away with, punking just a newly initiated Big Ten brethren in Gabe Cubs. But he held his own on that end, and good for him. You even trusted so much as to sub in as McKenzie's defensive sub on that last prevent play of the game. Th- throughout the second half, like Indi- Indiana's increase in pressure and commitment defensively had the Buckeyes reeling. You saw it. It was it was visceral what was happening to that Buckeye side. After shooting 50% from the floor in the first half, Indiana Hoosiers are able to hold them to 32. 32% from the floor, man. If we can hold teams to that, Indiana has a shot every time. This defense was, it just stepped up night and day. Night and day, Hoosiers, well done. Again, I'm not going to a bunch of cliches this episode, but it, the effort was tangible. You you saw the best and the worst that Indiana has to offer in that regard, all in one game. Over the course of 40 minutes, you got to see it. And another cliche I'm going to utilize, that that officiating. I'm going back to the officiating. Just It, it may be cliche at this point to say that the officiating in this conference is downright dog shit, but officiating in this conference is downright dog shit. Seemed like on plenty of plays, including, again, that Gabe Cups in particular, where it just, it, it seems like the only manner in which the Hoosiers were going to be allowed to guard up on Bruce Thornton with the ball in his hands, they, they, they needed to just give him a free landing strip to the rim. If we didn't want to pick up a foul, like, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. This is, continues to be a theme year after year, season after season for the Big Ten, and it isn't everywhere else. It isn't everywhere else. There's a problem in this conference. We need to fix it. That was just, you know, just a few little quick thoughts. Where, where do I think the Hoosiers are? How, how should we feel about that win? Let's just take it in stride. Like that, a great performance. Let's enjoy everything good about that. I honestly had to go back and rewatch that second half because I couldn't properly enjoy it. Go back and rewatch that second half. Enjoy it. There's no way the first view of that second half you were having a good time. No way. I was seeing red the whole time. It was such an, such an enjoyable rewatch in that regard. I cannot recommend it enough. I'm wrapping up my little portion here so that I can get you into me and Tim's conversation. But let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good. 
Trey Galloway finding that All-American performance. He is capable of this. It's insane to see, absolutely insane, how he was able to unlock that in his game and bring it to Columbus. We, I mean, hey, if we can bring it to Mackey, Trey, let's make sure we pack that. Other good, just the defensive effort in the second half. Basically, the good is the second half. The Hoosiers looked incredible the second half. We were figuring it out, man. This team desperately needed to get back to defense, and they did just that. It, it, it fueled everything. The bad... Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, you know, the downright uglies that entire first half. That's, I'm just going to go ahead and put out the downright ugly, the entire first half, the bad, you know what, just because I have to have one, I'm going to say McKenzie's conversion. I know that it's just this game because he's going to hit at a much higher rate in Mount Mackey and he's going to be, he's going to take full advantage of the moment and immediately become a Hoosier hero like Jalen Hutchifino. I feel it. I feel it. Now for your show, Walter Fish of the game for my show, Walter Fish of the game. I, I mean, I'm going to Trey Galloway. Absolutely heroic performance, commanding, just bringing everything the Hoosiers needed into this game. And he could say Malik Renew for his just impressive double-double, double, 14 rebounds again. You, It's effort, people. It just takes effort. The Hoosiers brought it. Malik Renew, 14 rebounds. Absolutely inspired performance on the boards for our big guy. But yeah, it's Trey Galloway. And for this episode, I actually wanted to ask you guys uh, through my X account. So go ahead and follow me at Often Daunted if you haven't. And uh, apparently 59% agree it should be Trey Galloway. Out of 102 votes, 59% for Trey Galloway. Malik Renew, 17%. And Anthony Leal for his closing clutch, 24%. <laughs> I threw that one on just like tip of the cap to Anthony for how the game ended. But man, quite the haul, 24%. He is a fan favorite. Let's get you to me and Tim. Burke White is here to talk Ohio State and Indiana. Burke feeling a little bit more optimistic than... Buckeye Nation is as of right now. Burke from the Often Daunted podcast and a part of the Big Banter Sports Network as well. Burke, Ohio State has lost. It has blown its second 18-point lead in a season. And yet, as we talk, getting into this episode about how we're feeling and things like that, you said, Indiana fan base, as bad as it feels for Ohio State, you guys aren't quite feeling all that great either, even with this win. So what's the what are the thoughts right now? in general, Indiana basketball-wise? Man, there's just so so much hanging over this program. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because I'm on an Ohio State podcast right now. And, I mean, yeah, you guys drop in those last like, one in seven in the last eight. Is that what it is now? Yeah, probably about just, that. I mean, this this game just – it was just a truly a, a very movable object meeting a very stoppable force right now in the Big Ten. And, uh, yeah, just the Hoosiers losing four of their last five heading into this one. Man – this game, everything that has plagued this program and has resulted in losses, I mean, you guys saw it throughout the entire first half. Just just turnovers aplenty. Gabe Cups not being ready as a freshman, which, I mean, that's understandably, but because he was forced into a position, a position that he just wasn't, and it's not even fair to expect him to be ready. Um, but it's just it's just been tough, man. The, the Hoosier fan base has put all their eggs in the Xavier Johnson basket. And you know what? Egg on our face because the sixth-year super deluxe max ultra senior – like you would you would think everyone's always like, hey, you need a point guard to win. You need a point guard with experience to win. Xavier Johnson has an unparalleled level of experience just with the COVID year with everything. And we just put all the eggs in that basket that he would be able to deliver. I mean, following just that run, that spree of games where he had two flagrants throughout three games. And it's just, it, it's just been a mess, man. It's, it's from the top down. The, the message of this program just isn't making its way through through the depth of it that we need it to and that it's like what do we even have this roster is entirely because we did put all the eggs in the xavier johnson basket this roster is just it, it doesn't work it, it's a square peg in a round hole 
far be it for me to be an invested Ohio State fan and criticize someone named Xavier Johnson. But coming into the preseason, you did not find Xavier Johnson on my first team Big Ten, my second big second team Big Ten, third team, nothing like that. I was maybe on the outside looking in, not buying in on Xavier Johnson and the experience just because we hadn't really seen it yet. And he obviously was not there for Indiana tonight. Hoosiers still pick up the win. So talking about this game specifically, Ohio State and Indiana, what's your number one reaction, takeaway, observation as we step away from this game just a couple minutes after it's concluded here? Trey was All-American Trey because throughout the season, you get three versions of Trey. You get ice-cold Trey for 80% of the season. You get good Trey for 15, and you get All-American Trey Galloway for 5% of the season. And he the, that 5% showed up today. And the the joke amongst Ohio State fans is that typically there is one player who just goes off against Ohio State. The first time that Ohio State and Indiana played, it was Malik Renew. When Ohio State has taken on, taken on other Big Ten plays, Big Ten teams against Nebraska, it was Rink Most for some reason going for over 30 and hitting a bunch of threes. And it's been that way all season in Big Ten play where some rando decides to just absolutely go off for the opposing team. You see that you're taking on Ohio State. And the, the sixth guy down on the bench says, I'll drop a cool 15, I guess. That's fine with me. So I know Trey Galloway is far from a, of a rando, but for Indiana, it's been Khalil Ware and Malik Renew. It's been all about the front court for Indiana. So Ohio State's inability to stop Trey Galloway when at the half, I believe Galloway was the best shooter from Indiana. He was 205. The rest of the players for Indiana were shooting well below 40%. Hoosiers were shooting, I want to say, 33% from the field in the first half and then the second half comes around and of course someone has to go off for indiana because that's how it goes when ohio state plays indiana now ohio state when it comes to how they play tonight and and my biggest takeaway from them obviously we can talk about chris holtman and and that's a pretty tired take at this point but it, it, it is worth saying that at this point i i wrote an article just a couple of days ago about the complexities behind chris holtman being let go at the end of the year or even before then all the different logistical nightmares going on within the Ohio State Athletics Department. And not only that, but within its own coaching staff. If you're going to let go of Holtman right now, who's going to replace him? But this, this game has just ended Ohio State's hopes of making it to the NCAA tournament, if they even had that. For the rest of the season, Ohio State has one game, one game in the quad one at home. That's going to be at Purdue coming up, not this upcoming Sunday, but the next Sunday. That's it. Ohio State has no other opportunities to make its mark, and they just lost a quad three game. You can't have that. So... Not only is Ohio State, they are effectively out. There is there's no more hope for Ohio State basketball to go to the NCAA tournament this season. It's over. It is over. Ohio State could win out. They'd have to win the Big Ten tournament in order to get in. It is over. Mathematically, there is nothing Ohio State can do with the resume that it has right now and with what's on their schedule. It's over. So not only do you have that with this loss to Indiana, which was probably true coming into this game, but now especially true now that you lose from Indiana, but it's the second 18-point lead blown this season by Chris Holtman. This one at home, the other one at Penn State in December. Second half comes around. In your eyes, what was it that brought Indiana back, gave them life? Because the other thing, actually, before I ask you a question, I'm going to continue to talk. Another <laughs> another observation I have from this one. Second half 
especially and, and and even in the first half indiana looked like they couldn't give a crap less about what was going on on the hardwood i the the effort was lackadaisical they even though they were plus on the rebounding margin at the end of the first half they looked like they couldn't care less about if they came down with the ball you've got technical fouls you've got Khalil Ware and, and malik renew clearly upset with everything that's going on and you're up by 18 and you're like there's no way that this indiana team is going to even make this a game. And you're 10 minutes left in the first, in the second half, and Ohio State is still keeping a 10, 12, 13, 9-point lead. And at that point, you're saying, mm, man, I really do want to put a couple bucks down on Ohio State not covering whatever the live spread was. And if you did, you obviously made money at that point. But you're like, this certainly, it can't go wrong this time, right? The chemistry isn't there for Indiana. They've got nothing going in the front court. They're not scoring in the paint. There's foul trouble all over. There's no way Indiana can get back in it. And yet Ohio State still finds a way to lose this game. So... To bring that full circle, Burke, in your eyes, what did Indiana do to get back in this game in the second half? How did Ohio State lose it? Well, I think Indiana just found its footing. I mean, Indiana has been plagued by scoreless droughts this year. And in the first half, we had scoreless drought after scoreless drought after scoreless drought. Like, uh, credit to Mason Williams, IU Media School, class of 2024. He's an absolute treasure trove of IU stats out there, any stats that matter. And he he just uh, collected the just droughts for us. From the 1955 mark to the 1630, Indiana scoreless from the 1524 to the 1052 Indiana scoreless from 1052 to 651 Indiana scoreless it, it th that has reared its head throughout the entire season and luckily Indiana found a way to find some will in the second half like so many people credit like say uh you know effort is a it shouldn't be a caliber statistic but you just said it yourself like if if you truly believe you can't like weigh or observe effort watch Indiana basketball over the course of this season because that first half was evidence of it. They just, they, you can say that, you know, effort is a crutch of catch all for like, oh, what they aren't doing right. But no, like, it is what it is. You, you can't watch that Indiana first half and not see that that's what it was. Like, it's it's crazy at times. And it, but, it feels like it extended in the second half too. Khalil Ware, even that goaltending, that was just, that was beyond idiotic. No offense, yeah. Khalil. If, if he happens to listen to the show, Great basketball player. Uh, congrats on the transition. Come on. <laughs> but that was horrible. I mean, Roddy Gale's not making that layup. He, he He's not going to make that layup. Roddy Gale, not the highest IQ basketball player. That shot's not going in. And you just gift Ohio State two points. So, and, and you mentioned the, the scoreless streaks. For Ohio State, they went, I believe, three full minutes without a field goal in the second half. They were 0-7 from the field. Sorry, they went five and a half minutes without a field goal in the second half. Jameson Battle couldn't hit a shot. Bruce Thornton couldn't hit a shot. Roddy Gale, who was five of five in the first half, couldn't hit a shot. So naturally, you think, maybe we go to Evan Mahaffey. Mahaffey had shown some good basketball in the first half. He's been really up and down for Ohio State this year. But Ohio State never really went to him. So my question there was, why in the world is Ohio State, if you can't, if you want to continue to play basketball, like all five players on your on your offense are wearing rain boots and you just want to clog everything up and no one wants to go set off-ball screens, there's no motion, there's no movement, that's fine. Give the ball to Mahaffey down in the paint and let him go try to make a layup because Bruce Thornton can't slip off anyone. Roddy Gale can't drive in the lane and get a bucket. So do something different. And that's something that Ohio State failed to do down the stretch. Now we have to talk about these final couple minutes. And I think most importantly for Ohio State, you look at the final possession. And Chris Holtman throws out Dale Bonner, who I believe was three of his last 30 from three. Ohio State is down by three points. Dale Bonner is three of his last 30 from three. Why in the world is he in there? Felix Akpar, okay? Couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat shooting three. He couldn't. It's not possible. Something will happen to where he will be suspended in the air. He's never going to hit the water. Might as well. Fans are, are very mm, 
what's the word anti zed key this season that's fine zed key probably has a better shot at making a three than felix ipara so throw him in there over ipara you're not gonna have time to get a rebound you don't need him in there so i get that you 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 loft the ball up to him he catches it he gives it to bruce Thornton. that's fine and again bruce thornton's the one taking the three as if we're not aware that jameson battle isn't one of the best three-point shooters in the big 10 this season so yeah. the personnel decisions with two seconds left in this game, down by three, knowing you need a three, made no sense to me. And the fact that Jameson Battle, also with the height advantage over Bruce Thornton, is not getting the ball in his hands to get a three up. I'm not going to go, I didn't go back and watch the film to see if Battle potentially could have been open. But that play was drawn up for Felix Apart to catch the ball and give it to Bruce Thornton and let him shoot a three. Why is Jameson Battle not there instead of Bruce Thornton? These are small, I don't even think, that's not even small. That's just obvious at this point that you have got to start making changes if you're Chris Holtman to personnel and adjustments like that need to be made that if someone with a common eye can see that it's hard to see how Chris Holtman and Mike Nettie and Jake Diebler and everyone on that staff can't see it as well. So that's a long way that. Yeah. Hey, on that, I mean, the, the IU fans feel that as well throughout the season, we've seen Mike Woodson foul his own guys out. It's absolutely bananas. Like I, I, I almost thought like when he when we took him out in the first half with two fouls, I think we were down like 10 points in the first half. It's like, that's so many times that he does that. And then it gets to a 20 point game. And then the Hoosiers just all but give up. Like, like you can't sub him out to the result of getting the, getting the, uh, the opposition's lead to just an insurmountable level. And uh, th- those kind of frustrations have just been running throughout this program all season. So I just wanted to tell your, any of your Ohio state fans, like you, Hey, you got some comrades over here. Yeah. And, and take me through this as well. So this game, I, I wish Ohio state didn't play in the big 10 because of the officiating. I mean, it's oh, a rough yeah, show yeah, every yeah, it's night. Crazy. It's disgusting to watch. <laughs> but in this one, the free throw game was insane. Let me actually find these numbers really quickly here. So Ohio State in this one goes 24 of 27 from the free throw line. Indiana goes Damn. 21 of 31. 67% was Dude, Indiana. That's a, that's a good day. That's how our season is going. We and average 63. We yeah. average 63%. Dude, I am screaming throughout, uh, screaming into my microphone all season. This is shit that you figured you learned in CYO ball. You learned in grade school ball. Like, hit your free throws it's it, watching this indiana team at the line is the most hair in like pulling experience you will ever have if you support them <laughs> yeah thank yeah, god I mean, i'm sure ohio state fans could have a laugh watching them that that's it these are the two maybe most disgruntled fan bases in the big 10 maybe with michigan but ohio state since adding on chris holtman to this staff has not gone in the right direction that's clear and what i've been saying not all year but in the past several weeks at least is that All Ohio State, all Gene Smith and Chris Holtman have been talking about is progress. If Gene Smith simply sees progress from Ohio State and from Chris Holtman to close out this season, he will still be at Ohio State next year, regardless of whether or not Ross Bjork wants him there. It's just a fact of the matter. At this point, there's absolutely no progress. And I'm seeing a tweet right now from former Ohio State player Mark Titus at Club Trillion. We we know that uh, he wasn't maybe a star on the floor, but he was off. Uh, He says, quote, worst part, is I wasn't surprised at all. Like no part of me had that pit in the stomach feeling as Indiana came back, just pure apathy and numbness, which is far worse than heartbreak. I want to care again. I miss caring about my college basketball team. And I would assume that Indiana fans may have that similar sentiment, but that's exactly where I was after this game was I I wasn't to the point of numbness, numbness. I was just like straight up depression. Like what has Ohio state basketball come to and how can we lose two 18 point leads in a season and if you lose those leads that's fine go win by seven like whatever it's not good to lose an 18 point lead but go win the game and Ohio State failed to do that twice now 
And this fan base is not only reeling, I'm seeing people who are saying, I've been a season ticket holder. I'm not renewing my season tickets until Holtman is fired. I'm seeing people saying, I'm not going to games until Holtman is fired. Now, hand up, I'm going to at least two more Ohio State basketball games this season. So my bad, guys. Sorry for not joining the boycott. But this fan base is, is very, very upset. And I think it's to the point of people are not going to watch. People are not going to tune in. And this market, this Ohio State market, there's a reason why the Buckeyes begin to play on Sundays this time of year. Their first Sunday game that I can that I can remember this year that's actually on a major network and isn't against freaking Central Michigan is not this Sunday, but next Sunday against the number one team in the nation, Purdue, or whatever they're ranked. Who cares about the AP poll? They don't know what they're doing. Anyway, they're, they're going to go take on Purdue, and they've got a couple more Sunday games after that at home. This is what the market wants, is to see a good Ohio State basketball team playing on a Sunday afternoon when football is over. Everyone knows that Ohio State can't take that market because of the fan base. And right now, it's not going to take it. The tickets are not going to be sold. They're giving away free t-shirts tonight. Nobody is there at that game. They've had a bunch of discounts for tickets so far this year. No one has been there. This has been the lowest attendance since last year, and it's been a 13% drop-off from last year. So the fan base has been beaten to a pulp at this point. So we're, we're kind of both sulking in, in misery here, but at least you get the win. So take me through at this point. You're moving forward from here. You've got a couple still marquee games left on the schedule for Indiana what are your what are your thoughts? What are your expectations? Are you do you have any hope that this can be an NCAA tournament team? Man, I I'm I'm ignorantly optimistic. Like wherever I can be, I like to see the brighter side. But this team has done so much. They've done this all season, and like almost this this game. I'm so grateful for a Hoosier win. Always grateful for a Hoosier win. But man, almost the release of anxiety that would have come with this loss. Like, like I, I don't want to say I'm jealous of Ohio State fans right now, but honestly, I'm thinking about my mindset, where I would be at if Indiana had lost this game. It's right where you guys are. It's right where you are. And and there's, it, I would be like, man, if somebody could just tell me the season's over now, that would do me a whole lot of good, I think, to my mental well-being. So, yeah, I, I feel for you guys. I genuinely do. Yeah, and, and and as I've been clear about, the Ohio State season is over, and and I've been I, I've actually I, I don't know if you've if you've noticed, but I I've gotten kind of drugged through the mud on Twitter multiple times for simply not even being optimistic about Ohio State basketball, but just not hating the program. I've said yeah. Ohio State can still make the tournament, or Chris Holtman still has time to turn this around, or Chris Holtman's record in January actually isn't that bad over his seven years being at Ohio State. At this point, it's over for Ohio State, and I'm seeing some tweets now coming through here. From, from Chris Holtman, he says, quote, we've got great kids. I don't question these kids, but we need to see some results here. What I know from Chris Holtman, what he wants with this program is he wants to see this sophomore class through. I don't think he's going to get the chance to do that. He also said, he was asked, what specifically gives him hope that Ohio State's issues are correctable? Quote, we'll see, end quote. A lot of confidence there. <laughs> dude, dude, that is, that is every single Indiana fan's just entire vibe right now because after all of these games, after we gave up that huge lead to Penn State to give them a huge lead and just an absolutely ridiculous win in Assembly Hall, an absolutely unforgivable win in Assembly Hall, it, it's it's exactly the same thing with Mike Woodson. It's, it's I need one hero. Like, I, 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 I think you're connected with the Ohio State media room and all that. But I, I'm just pleading to anybody on the IU side in that room to ask him a question, to stand up and say, enough is enough. We need a real answer. All these non-answers I'm so sick of. It's been very, and, and, and very like, similar. In the case State. of Woodson and Holtman, like, what's the issue? You would only help your standing if you were to give us an answer. Mm -hmm. Like, like what you are doing right now, these non-answers, these filler words, these ultimately just nothings. They mean just that they're nothing. And it, it's it's if you were to give us answer of any substance, just to tide over the fan base, maybe it, we could get, have a little more hope in what's going on. 
Yeah, and and that's been something I don't I think it was the Northwestern loss where Ohio State got spanked by 25, 26, 27, whatever the final score was. I had a, a couple people actually reaching out to me saying, "Hey, what is Chris Holtman going to say after this loss? This blowout loss at Northwestern?" And I basically said it doesn't matter because he's going to say the same stuff that he always does, which is, "We need to be better. I have confidence that we can turn this around. We've got to be better handling the basketball. We've got to be better against traps and hedges and all these types of things." And it's like, "Well, just do it instead of telling me that we have to be better." And again, I've tried to be as positive about Chris Holtman as I can. At this point, there's not much to be positive about. So these press conferences after the game, they don't really mean a lot. But it's a good point. Maybe Holtman, maybe he can step up and say, you know what? We suck. My job's on the line. This isn't fun. I'm going to do everything I can to get this turned around. Just, you know, I- I'm acknowledging that this isn't yeah, good. Yeah, at least identify that there is an issue so that we can tell that you know there's an issue. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So as we as we close out this this stretch here where where the Buckeyes take a, a an embarrassing loss to Indiana not in that it's Indiana but in that it's an 18 no this Indiana team this is an embarrassing loss that too yeah and it's at home uh yeah. but regardless it's a loss any other closing thoughts here from the game itself um absolutely unconscious game from Trey Galloway like it, he yeah he the five percent showed up that we needed and just credit to him for being able to find that in the bag on a day that we desperately needed every bit of it to get the slim victory in Columbus. And then credit to Malik Renew for beginning, just still taking over the conference, just making his name more and more known. This 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 way he's coming down the season with these stretch of just 20-point games. Like, I'm excited for what that means for his offseason. I think he's going to gather some real buzz, and I think uh, the preseason talks next year will be pretty interesting, and uh, Malik will be involved. Yeah, Malik Renew is looking good. He's a player who can knock down a two or, or uh, one or two threes every game, and just having that in your bag – can be huge, especially with a team like Indiana that is so focused on scoring in the paint. So he's looked really, really good for Indiana so far this year. Burke, uh, one last question here, or not question, but request. Uh, plug the socials, plug the podcast, everything you'd like to about Often Daunted and everything you're working on there. All right, Burke White. Uh, I am the host of the Often Daunted podcast. You can find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast, including the great, the wonderful Views from the Shot podcast. And uh, yeah, you can follow me anywhere across all socials at Often Daunted. If you were curious about the name, it is a play on our fight song. Never daunted. We cannot falter. You know what? I've watched this team enough to know I'm quite often daunted. So thank you so much for having me on, Tim. And uh, this has been just awesome. Thanks. Yeah, you got it, Burke. And and thanks for the color on the on the name there uh, of Often Daunted. That makes yeah, it 10 yeah. times more funny. So that's good to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, Burke, we appreciate you joining today. It, it's been a pleasure, even though it wasn't a pleasure watching this game. Um, I guess we wish your Hoosiers the best of luck. Not that we really care one way or another, but sure, go, go win a couple <laughs> games and, and maybe make a run in the NIT. So appreciate you hopping yeah, on today. Yeah. You know what? And when you were talking about just the, I, I'm just backpedaling to the middle of it. Like uh, when you were talking about what it would take for the Buckeyes to get in right now, man, how, how crazy is it that that tournament option isn't even going to be there next year? Like such a, such a, yeah, that's so gutting to the, the any of these teams. Yep. A hundred percent. And I, I tell you what, if, if you're out next year, oh my goodness. Like that's, that's tough. I, and, and there are some bad programs in college or in the Big Ten, in the incoming Big Ten as well. Like USC has done nothing with the talent that it's got this year. Oh, yeah. oh, but yeah. if you're on the outside looking in of a Big Ten tournament, you don't even make the freaking Big Ten tournament. Boy, it's a good thing that we're not a year in advance and Chris Holtman is dealing with the season that he is right now. Or who knows? The city of Columbus could get burnt down. So uh, I guess we can be thankful for that. But thanks again, Berg for hopping on make sure you are finding often daunted if you want to get the scoop on indiana basketball just get indiana basketball content in general on social media so thanks for hopping on today burke oh absolutely thanks for having me
I really can't thank Tim enough for having me on, and I'm uh, looking forward to working with him again in the future. Really awesome having these guys, ha- having the ability to reach out to these guys now as I am. For that Indiana news, only thing, I mean, there's no real news for this Indiana program right now. Like, that's such good. That's so good. That's so good. You're only in the news for bad reasons nowadays. And the Hoosiers are out of the rags since our last recording, since our quick turnaround. And, uh, hey, I appreciate it, Woodson. I, I appreciate the team staying out of the headlines. Especially when you're losing, man. Headlines are only bad when you're losing. The only real piece of news I have for you is uh, Saturday, following Indiana's embarrassing defeat to Penn State, number 37 recruit in the country. Overall, according to 24-7 Sports Composites, the atmosphere in here is wild. Thanks to at Adam Howard Zero for having me. Also thanks to at Mike Woodson NBA and at Coach K Hunter for offering me a scholarship to play at Indiana men's basketball. Hashtag go Hoosiers. Jaden Johnson is a 6'5 guard from Louisville. He is from Kentucky, yes, and uh, apparently it's been his dream to go there. So if Kentucky gives him the offer, I have a feeling he's heading that way. That being said, it's the day of NIL. Loyalties are easy to influence, so just keep an eye on that one. Into the conference news. This week, congratulations to Minnesota Golden Gopher Cam Christie, who took home Big Ten Freshman of the Week honors. This week, after dropping 15 points, grabbing six rebounds, and adding three assists for the game in Minnesota's win over Northwestern. I just wanted to share this piece of news because he is the first Golden Gopher since Daniel Oturu in February of 2019 to get this honor. Oturu was Minnesota's only draft pick in the last 11 years. Credit Cam for giving the Minnesota fans something who, st- like Minnesota fans who stood by the team at their lowest, something to be excited about. Minnesota is a program on the rise with guys like Christie coming through. Rutgers continues to find ways to win a few games this season, but they are on pace to set a historical milestone if this season keeps keeps much of the same shape for them. With an adjusted defensive efficiency rating ranked third in the country and an adjusted offensive efficiency rating currently at 300th in the nation, Rutgers is on pace to own the largest difference in offense and defensive ratings in Ken Palm's 25 years of tracking data. Other news kind of hits close to home here. Shout out to Jerome Hunter per Rothstein. Sean Miller told reporters that Xavier's Jerome Hunter tore his Achilles in practice and will immediately undergo surgery. Hunter was redshirting this season due to a heart issue. Averaged 7.8 points per game and 4.4 rebounds per game last season. It's just a shame to see Jerome Hunter cannot catch a break, man. Thoughts and prayers to him. It, it this is tough. This is tough, but I just I just hope that he has the support around him to uh, help him get through this as easy as he can. Man, the heart issue, that's no joke that you can't mess around with that. And just to have it freaking compounded with an Achilles is nuts. It's just such a shame. In other news, Richard Patino, who is now the head coach of New Mexico, for those unaware, was on the College Hoops Today podcast where he was discussing what's next for the Pac-12 now that the Pac-12 has disbanded, and he said, we have to take over the West. We need to plant a flag and take over the West Coast. And I, I just wanted to bring this up because I guess I never really thought about the sports vacuum that may be left in the wake of the Pac-12 disbanding. There's going to be a lot of, uh, or is there just no attention? Is there no demand for it out there? What, what's the issue with the West Coast? How weren't they able to support the Pac-12? Because, uh, if there is any support whatsoever out there, you have to think somebody's going to step in and uh, take over some of that region. It's the Mountain West's time. Just a few results around the conference, as this was a quick turnaround for the Hoosiers since the last time of my recording. Sunday, number two Purdue went into Madison to take on number six Wisconsin, largely in part two to Wisconsin's struggles from the three-point line, with them shooting 15% on three for 19 from deep. The Boilermakers get the close win, 75-69. to Illinois nearly lets a late double-digit lead slip away, but holds strong to beat Nebraska in Champaign. Kesai Tomanaga's 5-for-7 from the night. Kesai Tomanaga's 5-for-7 from three for the night. Contributing to a 31-point night wasn't enough. 
to outdo Illinois' spread of production, with three Illini scoring at least 18 points in this game. The Illini beat the Huskers 87-84. to Rutgers shot the three at an abysmal rate of 23%, going three for 13 from deep, only being outdone by Maryland's two for 18 night at home. That's 11% from deep for the Terps as the Scarlet Knights win one in College Park. 56-53, to both Jameer Young and Julian Reese get a double-double in the loss. The game's only two double-doubles. It looks like Michigan State will continue to be a good team that loses a ton in the eyes of the national narrative as the Spartans went into the barn and got beat by Minnesota 59-56. to No performances really worth highlighting here. Genuinely, it was a boring, boring game. <laughs> With those games wrapped up, the table currently sits as this. Purdue, first place, 10-2. and Illinois, 8-3. and Wisconsin, 8-4. and Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, then us. Right below us is Michigan State at the same record of 6-6. Six and six. Following Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, Ohio State, and Michigan. I just wanted to bring up this standings because I wanted to just make a note on where I need the Hoosiers to end. Where I need the Hoosiers to end is above Michigan State. I feel like everybody is going to try so bad to get Michigan State into the tournament. If the Hoosiers can finish above them in conference play, win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament, I, I am going to hold out faith that we can make the big dance. That's all I got. <laughs> With that, I'm going to get you on to my visit with the Boiler Express podcast. Let's go. And with us tonight, we have Burke uh, from Off and Don. Burke, if you'd like to introduce yourself and uh, talk about where our guests can find you, and uh, then we'll get into some ball. Yeah, Burke White, host of the Often Daunted podcast. For those of you out of the know, that's a play on of the Indiana fight song, you know, Never Daunted, We Cannot Falter. Unfortunately, this program has been very often daunted in the recent history. And uh, yeah, you can find me anywhere across socials at Often Daunted, but I have a feeling a lot of your fan base is going to hate it. Uh, I mean, who knows? I, uh, I I love I love listening to all Big Ten podcasts and knowing yeah. what's going on across the Big Ten. Um, but we're happy to have you on today to talk about this upcoming uh, Purdue Indiana game. Um, Burke and I have done some collaboration in the past, and uh, he was he was great to work with. So really excited to have him on here tonight and uh, talk about this upcoming game. Um, but before we get into the to the game, um, let, let, let's talk about Indiana's recent win over Ohio State. We were talking about it just a second ago, um, but I, in my opinion, it was a really impressive win. You know, to be down, I think it was a 16, uh, was the, the the total deficit at one point. Um, you know, and then to just grind your way back in there. Uh, Galloway had a big game. Um, was it a Renew, the other player that had a really big game scoring-wise? Yep, 25. Um, I mean, and, and to do it without uh, without Xavier Johnson. I know, what, what's the injury status of Malik Renew? Is he, he's not 100% still, is he? Um, he had a uh, ankle issue, I think, three games prior, two games prior. Um, I, he, he's not 100%, I'd say, but, I mean, 85% Malik Renew, if he's doing that, I'll take it every time. He, this this kid, this, the step this guy has taken this sophomore season is just incredible. You know, it, it, it really is. And, and we, you know, he, he took over that game. Uh, we, we saw Trey Galloway step up. But, you know, what did, what did, what did you see from the Indiana squad in that game that, that has you encouraged right now? And, um, you know, just as a whole, what are some things that, you can take away from that game that you think they can carry into um, into Mackey on Saturday? Well, I mean, we saw a glimpse of a potential comeback in Assembly Hall. Don't say we didn't, Purdue fans. Don't say we didn't. And, uh, I mean, we just got the full-blown version here in the Columbus game. Now, admittedly, that was against an Ohio State team who is becoming known for doing just that. So, uh, got to take that with a grain of salt. But, I mean, just a game like that can do wonders for confidence. And this Indiana team, like, it's cliche. It's, it's some of the Data, data crunchers i mean no offense to the stat guy right here i'm talking to but th they can say this effort and confidence all that is i mean it isn't calculable it isn't tangible man it, it is real it is real and i this, completely it, agree yeah as, as a data numbers guy there is yeah. a certain unquantifiable aspect of sports that the human factor that you can never account for 
totally support it, that. Yeah, and, and it, it just plays into all the just body language talk that everybody's had about this Indiana team all season. The body language is down. Man, it, the games like this, I hope that God can do wonders for this program that desperately needs to get right. Now, am I saying we're going to beat Purdue and get get all right all at once? No, not by any means. But this this game was definitely something to build on. This uh, Trey Galloway performance, they are few and far between. But, man, we, we utilized every bit of it to squeak that one out. And so looking here, uh, he was he was eight, eight for 15 from the floor, um, you know, 10 for 15 at the line. I'm talking about uh, Malik Renew here. Um, I think the 10 for 15 at the line is, is probably the most impressive thing, you know, to, to shoot over 50 percent from the floor and then go, you know, 66 percent at the line. I mean, to one guy shooting 15 free throws, that's something Purdue fans know know a little bit about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's I mean, his his jump from freshman to sophomore is definitely not something that I I expected. Um, how can you kind of give me your thoughts on on Mbako in terms of? You know, before the season, I feel like he was, I don't want to say overhyped, but I feel like the, he had unfair expectations, let's say. Um, yeah, I know he, you were, your expectations were a little bit different, but how, how have you seen him progress so far this season? It's, it's, defensively, it is night and day. When he stepped foot on campus, those first non-conference games, defensively, he was, he was unplayable. Um, we knew the offense would come eventually. He is a vibe shooter. He is a, I'm feeling myself, I, it's time to go get a shot guy. And uh, it's just about getting him the opportunities, getting him in rhythm. And we saw we saw it at the beginning of the uh, game in Assembly Hall. You saw McKenzie getting into that rhythm. Unfortunately, Mike Woodson did what he has been doing um, over the course of the season and fouling his own guys out. Like two fouls against Purdue. You're such an underdog. You, you got to let it ride, especially when he's the only guy doing anything offensively. So, I mean, what his expectations for the season may have been unfair. But honestly, the game he's bringing right now, he's living up to it. It took a while to get here, but we're here. Yeah, and I I completely agree. I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of improvement from him, uh, mostly on the defensive end. You know, he 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 started off shooting a little rocky, but he he kind of found his stroke. And like you said, he he gave Indiana the initial scoring spark um, at the game at Assembly Hall. And if I recall correctly, uh, it was Mbako, Ware, and Renew all were in foul trouble in the first half, right? Yeah, and Mike chooses to sit them. Which when you are going up against Purdue, just a mechanized, you know, unit of free throw just pain and suffering on their opposition it is hey it's it's winning basketball but it is painful to the other teams and uh just you need to roll the dice and Mm -hmm. uh you need to keep your three best players not even in question the three best players had like talent wise three steps above the next guy like you need to keep them in that game and I'm hoping to God somebody has gotten to him since that time. And they, and if that is the same case here, which it very well could be, Zach Eadie's going to draw tons of fouls. That's what he does. He does it very well. And uh, we just need him to trust his guys to play a little more controlled because we can't afford to not have them on the other end of the ball. Well, the, you know, the thing about Ware is he has he has the length and he has the he has the ability to make life difficult just just with his length. You know, he can I feel like him just standing there you know, creating an obstacle for anyone to shoot over is going to a not draw a ton of fouls and b just make life difficult. Um, but I, if I recall, he, he did put Ware back in toward the end of the first half in the, the game at Assembly Hall. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. When he, with like two just, minutes to go. Yeah, man, you were having Peyton yeah. Sparks hold down the front court against one of the most elite front courts in the country. Like, yeah, needed, something needed to be done. But man, it it, came, it comes too late too many times this season where he he lets it get to ear like <laughs> un like fixable levels like we cannot come back into games with how he sits these guys and then we get to like a 20 point deficit and then he's ready to jump back in and see if we can crawl our way back in so it's, uh, so the, it's frustrating <laughs> the hole gets too deep before a drastic change is made is that yeah yeah exactly okay. yeah sorry yeah. 
no, I'm, a I'm with roundabout you. way to say that. Yeah, 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 I'm with you here. Yeah. Um, but you know, in, the, in in the first game, you know, we didn't Purdue wasn't playing the majority of the game against Renew, against Mbako, and against Ware. Um, and that's that's honestly what has me a little a little bit nervous. I, I mean, first of all, this is a rivalry game. This is a game that you know guys are gonna get hyped up for. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a game where you know, trends and stats and, and everything just kind of goes out the window. These are one um, games that you can be remembered forever for. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like, the guys, you know, like I think of someone like where, you know, for example, uh, 99% chance he's not back next season. I think that's a fair assessment yeah, uh, given that he's yeah. a projected top 10 pick last I saw. Um, so like, why not, why not do something big against your, your, your rival? Right. I mean, and I, I know the Purdue coaching staff tells their players, especially the, the transfers, you want to be remembered forever, do something, do something in this game. So I, I know, you know, the Indiana staff is doing that, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't, Purdue was playing against a, a, a second unit almost the entire game. And so I can kind of see this game just, just ending a little bit differently. And, and I know the line right now is Purdue by 20 last I checked, <laughs> um, which, uh, which seems, seems extreme uh, in my opinion. However, we had, we, we, we did have it. a live show last <laughs> night. We had a ton of comments, people saying it should be 30. It should be, you know, 27 at least. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying I think Purdue loses. I'm saying I think it's a closer game than that. But, Burke, what are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are I really, really wish a sophomore Jalen hood was taking the floor in Mackey. Um, really hope that that was the case. But it is just a case of, uh, yeah, man, it's it's the Purdue-Indiana game. Anybody can seize that spotlight. And Mackenzie and Baco, if he gets some more minutes, man, like like Jalen hood last season, he had some games where he would go like 1-15, mm-hmm. just just abysmal numbers. But he, I, he took every shot like the next one was going in. He would miss seven, and he, in his head, the eighth is just money. And, and McKenzie has a lot of that same, like, mental makeup. And, uh, man, it's going to take a heroic performance. I just don't see how you can mechanically contend with Purdue right now. And, I, I, gosh, I remember that Jalen Huchifino performance because he was taking the shots that Purdue wanted him to take. It's like, yeah, hey, you want to yeah. take pull-ups at the free throw line? Go for it. And you know and, what? Uh, they just kept looking, going in. Yeah, yeah, looking back at it, Indiana being just the worst shot selecting team in the country. It honestly might have built, all been building up to that moment for Jalen Huchifino to see yeah. those because he had been taking those all season long. And I, uh, I, I'm probably going to sound arrogant here, but I feel like that game probably did a little bit for his draft stock too. Oh, yeah. um, Cause oh, those yeah. are the, those are the shots you got to hit at the next level. But um, yeah, Purdue every, actually every double country was watching it, man. It yeah. was just both, both programs in great positions. It's, it's the best game there is. Yeah, so um, I didn't ask you about this uh, before, but you know, I know there's a lot of, um, I'll say, uh, split opinions on on Mike Woodson. Um, you know, what are your thoughts? I I feel like he's done a really good job, and that people need to relax a little bit. But you know, what are your thoughts in terms of just his overall overall coaching? Do you feel like he's he's uh, you know just still needs a little bit more time? I mean, obviously, I think Indiana's at 14 and nine right now. Not necessarily the start that you or the probably the majority of the fan base were thinking or expecting for the season, but just on the season as a whole. And you know, how, how do you feel like Woodson's done so far? Um, I, I wish we were in a better position. I, I don't want to speak ill of Mike Woodson. Um, some of the just minute management with those foul trouble management, man, there are too many opportunities that I think we've let slip away just based on not, not just rolling the dice with McKenzie with uh, Malik sometimes, but he is getting guys here. He is, uh, they, they, we, the, the future is promising, but the way that he constructed this roster, man, it they, there's no way he had a vision for what was going to happen this season. He he was dealt the cards of Xavier Johnson, I guess, to an extent. Like we we just put all of our eggs in that basket, and now we're sleeping in the bed we made. And like that that absolutely limited his ability to go get another scorer in the backcourt because who'd wanted to share share a ball with 
Xavier Johnson. And uh, it's tough, man. Like the, the fan base just has such a quick trigger finger. And uh, I don't want to act and blow it when uh, we, we, we can, we have the time to ride this out and see mm-hmm. where else it can go. I, I think he has time. I, I would like for him to have the time. Yeah, I agree. And that, that, the pipelines there, right? The, the the recruiting pipelines there, the player development. We're starting to see some of that come. I just think, um, I think, I think this time next year, Indiana is going to be a terrifying team. I really do. I, I, How, however, yeah, however the Queen recruitment goes, that's going to really mm-hmm. help m- my like faith in Woodson. But uh, yeah, yeah, Liam uh, Liam McNeely is a monster. I see, I've watched a lot of film on him, and he's uh, he's terrifying. And I'm I'm I think it's a safe assumption to say Mbako's back this time. Uh, here comes back next season. Yeah, yeah, here's yeah. Open. Yeah, and, that's yeah, a, man. It's it, in this new day of the NIL. I'm just like these these top talent guys. They're gonna have whispers in their ears. It's about keeping them. And you know, if Mike Woodson is able to bring back Mbako next year, there's no rumblings of otherwise. But I'm just like he's such a talented guy, and he's starting to unravel like the potential, and everyone's starting to see it that there will be guys trying to go out there and court him. Yeah, that is uh that is an unfortunate thing. Not only do you have to worry about players leaving for the NBA, you have to worry about potential poachings going on from other coaches and you know other teams wanting players to come to. I know when Purdue played Gonzaga, there was rumblings of few this past summer trying to get Braden Smith to, you know, throwing money at him and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, no, I, I know, uh, I feel like I use NIL situations got to be pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, with with Cubes just selling the Mavs, I'm, I'm just hoping to God he's just doing that to become like the shadow president of Indiana basketball. Yeah, that was honestly really surprising to, to see yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of shocked because that seems like uh, something he he cherishes uh, quite a bit. But yeah, yeah, who knows? He could be funneling some of that or a decent amount of that money into uh, into IU. Oh, yeah. um, so what is what is a path to an IU win look like? And this is something we talked about last night. Um, and uh, I was asked that question. It's like, well, you know, Frank, if you're if you're not sure Purdue pulls out the win, like how does how does IU win? But I just said, you know, like we didn't see we didn't see a ton of where we didn't see a ton of Mbaka, we didn't see a ton of Renew. You know, those three guys collectively, as you said, probably the three best best players. I mean, we've seen um, Galloway be a wild card this season. You know, he can go off for 25 or he can go stone cold. Um, I, I, I think it's unlikely Xavier Johnson plays, unless you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Um, uh, yeah, I, no, I don't I don't think he's playing. But I feel there, like there really hasn't been firm word on anything regarding him yet. It, it's bizarre. He, he, he just had such an odd season. Um, I, I, I can't help but feel like he's got he's got something outside of basketball going on. I just feel for the guy, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, it's tough. it's tough how it's coming down to the wire here. The the frustration and the and the anger he's kind of exhibited. I mean, that's that seems to to transcend basketball. But you know, Gabe Cubs played well. Um, he had a couple of big shots in the minutes that without Xavier Johnson, um, you know, in the first game. But in your mind, what 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 would it take to get a win in Mackey this Saturday? Um, Mike Woodson is just letting Kalel rip the three. Kalel shoots the ball incredibly from three. Um, if he's having to hold the Purdue front court honest, pull him out there, and uh, just I, I think he could take Zach on the dribble if Zach is even inclined to get out there at all. Because honestly, if he's not sinking it, if Indiana's not making their shots, Zach can park his ass in the paint and just just you know limit anything that Indiana can really throw at him. Um, and it, it's interesting because that's that's what we saw against against Wisconsin. He was kind of playing that center field, uh, yeah, and you know yeah. Wisconsin had five guys on the floor that could shoot too which I thought was really interesting that they were just kind of daring um, Wall or Crowell to take threes. And neither one of them really, really did in that game. Um, looking at, looking at yeah. uh, Khalil Ware, do you know what his three-point percentage is? It's pretty good. Especially I, I, for a big I think it's incredibly high because he takes probably two a game and he's making at least one of those. Like, okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive the way he's able to shoot. And it's just impressive how quickly he's just made up his mind. He gets it off quick, man. And uh, it's going to take, it's going to take Khalil Ware sinking that shot. 
See, I don't know if it's Khalil or Khalil. I once heard. I, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Yeah. I once heard an interview where he pronounced it both ways. Oh, okay, and, that makes it far more confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're gonna need that. We're gonna need Mbako to find just every tool in his bag. Like we're gonna have to have him just explode onto the scene with just so, eight. This would so be a bears at forty three percent from three. Forty three percent from three this season, and in the last five games, fifty percent. So he's been shooting the ball well, uh, yeah. and then it looks like yeah, he's averaging. 1.6 per game. So yeah, I'm pretty much in, in line with what you said. And more on where just uh, he needs to util- utilize his spring, man. It looked like in that last game, he just he isn't going to beat Zach with the muscle. He isn't going to beat him playing just post ball. He needs to jump. He needs to utilize mm-hmm. his athleticism. That is objectively superior than Zach. Eady. Yeah, like that. That is what he has on him. And you need to use the only tool you got on. Him. Yeah, I will not. I will not dispute that at all, that he is. Uh, he's much more athletic than he is for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think he's got the size and the and the oh, strength. Has, but yeah, yeah, and the yeah. Intent, where has and the where has the bounce? Yeah, where has the bounce? Yeah. As, speaking of, at the very end of the Ohio State game, it looked like he he tweaked his ankle. Is everything everything good with him? As far as you know? Yeah, man, that was just I think that was just a goofy step. <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't taken a goofy step? Yeah, I mean, when I was I was watching that game without sound, and I was like, surely it looks foul bad. or something. It looked there. Bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and, when those guys go down without any contact, that's usually the worst case. But no, he yeah. got back up, got back in the game. All all seemed well. I couldn't help but wonder uh, if he uh, just missed that layup in transition and just like, oh, I got hurt, you know. Oh my god, that's dude! The but the way this se- the way this season has been going, I was like, of course, of course, this is how this game ends. Just somehow he misses that just breakaway layup, and they get two points somehow to win this game. So I always like to like to ask this question, but what is a what is an outsider's perspective of Purdue look like these days? Um, because a lot of us feel like we're the most hated. Uh, team it seems like, like every, everyone seems to seems to think so negatively uh not only of purdue but but seem, uh, even more of, of zach Eady. it seems like he's like the the most hated player sometimes but what's a what's an external opinion look like these days because I'm, I'm my world's very purdue centric and i always love to ask this question just to get a feel for like how do other people view view the purdue program right now man i don't know if it's the color scheme or whatever you guys the, the lighting in Mackey, it's, it's pretty bright i would say right now purdue i would say they are oppressive like impressive and oppressive the 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 support around this fan base is is at an all-time high but man they they can be nasty they can be amongst the nastiest in the big 10 i mean that that speaks volumes to a pride in a program because of course you're going to have the crazies for every 100 normal you're going to have another crazy and uh, i'm glad to see that purdue is just gaining more and more it's going to mean great rivalry matchups to come and it's it's uh, yeah right the tide lifts all boats and so are you saying are you saying our, our our fans are crazy is that uh, I mean, the, the, the ones that go after, <laughs> I guess whenever I'm, I'm never like intermixed with a Purdue fan and it's like a mm-hmm. good time really. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> not, not, yeah. I mean, other than you guys like talking, yeah, ball, yeah, but yeah. I just mean like if somebody's coming at me, it's them coming at me. I, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's good to know. Um, cause I'm, I'm never on, I'm on the receiving end of that from other fan bases. Um, no, my, yeah, my, yeah. my little brother is a senior there right now. So oh, I, mean, awesome. I, yeah, I do have right. a little, I do have a little just. Man, it's so bittersweet with Purdue sometimes in my own head because I just want him to have the time of his life. Because, man, when basketball's going good, like campus is just alive. It's so much. Yeah, better. it is. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget when Purdue beat Iowa um, in the, la- the, the last year with Ivy, the first ever number one ranking game. Um, number uh, Purdue was number two, number one had lost. And basically it was like beat Iowa and you're, and you're guaranteed number one. And walking out of the stadium and just, I mean, it was like a massive party all over campus. Yeah, and it's incredible. that was my wife's first game in Mackey um their first actual home game so she got to see the just the party atmosphere after it, it was it was pretty cool yeah it was a it was a really cool thing to see but uh that yeah that's that that's some interesting insight to have um because i've i've uh 
it just seems like this year, no, no disrespect to our Illinois friends, the Illinois fans that just seem to be really, really combative this season. I will say what, what I do give credit to the Purdue fans is, is they have receipts far more often than an Illinois fan. Oh, yeah. They, they, they'll, they'll come with the numbers. They'll come with the, the facts far more often. Yeah, we. Uh, I guess I just I just feel like we've been attacked so much that we just we we, we just bookmark <laughs> bookmark a bunch of tweets and say here look here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's uh that's yeah that, that's some good insight to have. Um, Why are you asking me questions like that? Trying to get me murdered I, on your show? I, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm just I I love to know. No, no one's gonna murder me. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, just, I'm just I'm I'm just curious what the but you know but but of the of the the team and 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 the players like obviously Zach Eady gets the the national recognition. Um, you know, how does, how, what's, what's the outside perspective of the rest of the team? Is it, is it Zach Eady and four other no names? Um, or I mean, like a, a lot of people say like, well, Purdue would be terrible without Zach Eady. I don't necessarily believe that, you know, we saw Purdue go on a pretty decent run against Illinois when he got in foul trouble. Um, you know, what's the, how, how do people view the backcourt? I guess let's, let's, let's start there. I mean, shooting translates, shooting always results positive and Purdue can shoot the hell out of the ball in the backcourt. Um, Braden Smith, I, I, an honest Indiana fan would tell you he should have been on that koozie list. An honest Indiana fan would tell you he is one of the better Big Ten point guards, if not in the – he is a great point guard. He is. But I honestly feel like the right defender really presents some serious problems for him, and uh, it, it isn't something he has quite shaken off entirely. Now this is me watching the limited amount of Purdue basketball I do watch. But it, as far as, like, Fletcher Lawyer, he seems like he's getting into that, uh, like, fire and ice yeah just agreed. regiment yeah. where he's either on and when he's on watch out it's going to be dangerous or he's just ice cold off yeah yeah it's very very up and down for him that's a that, that that's a very very good assessment and and yeah we we have seen Braden struggle against the really really physical and aggressive uh defenders this season i i you know i think that his his assist numbers are really impressive um they're about double what they were last season uh but you know his turnovers are about the same and I think that's probably the floor. And, and honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him throwing crazy passes and stuff because more often than not, it's going to go for an assist and a turnover. Um, and I just think that, you know, that we'll have to, I, that I, might I'll just say be something about, we live with. About Braden, just, I think if I had a bet on any one guy to get a triple double in college basketball any night, it would probably be Braden. And that, that speaks to him, but like the system around him as well. Going to comment here, long time listener for, oh, yeah. Long time listener, first time caller. Love you, Frank. That's all. Appreciate you, random person <laughs> who I don't know who don't know who you are. But um, yeah, I I'm I I'm really impressed with Braden this season. Um, I, I think that he has a bright future. I mean, and uh, to flip it back to you for a second, I'm really impressed with Gabe Cups in the in the minutes we've seen him. I think that he is going to be. I think I know he's going to be a really solid junior. I think he's going to be a pretty good sophomore, honestly. But the, this the his ability to knock down really timely shots has been impressive this season. I think by Braden Smith's senior year. Him versus Gabe Cups, will, those storylines will be pretty fire. Oh, like, yeah, those will be, be pretty awesome. good. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's it's Gabe Cups, man. His shot is not falling. It's it's been tough. It's been tough from the floor, but it's all there. It his it, it it'll come. It'll come. It didn't has come it, nearly has, as quick as the Purdue backcourt, and of course we're gonna be like, yeah, that sucks. But has his shot time. not been falling? I swear, every time I watch Indiana, he comes in and he just like knocks down a, a quick three. It, man, it, it's been tough going. We we need more. If it. It's not so much a case as he isn't converting it. He just isn't getting them up. I see. Okay. And like he isn't going to really feel his rhythm, get get into his game until he gets those up because he spent all of high school being the just every shot was his. Mm -hmm. So it's like, man, we 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 could use a little bit of that. Well, you you talked about the the flash of a comeback that we saw in Assembly Hall, and I feel like he was a big part of that. Um, oh yeah. No, he, his 
he, his hands defensively, I really think that he he's he's a pest. He's a gnat. And stuff like that, I think, could potentially give Braden Smith some problems. But he, we're going to need a big game from him defensively for sure in this one. Yeah. Have you ever been to a game at Assembly Hall, a chance? Oh, yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry, yeah. not Assembly Hall. Mac no, Arena. no, yeah. no, I haven't. Yeah, I've been to a game at Assembly Hall. That's what I was just thinking about. Um, yeah. Any 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 plans to? Oh yeah, I was I was trying to make it down. Just this might be being my brother's last year on campus. I really wanted to make it down there, but man, two two kids under two, it's getting crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I imagine I imagine that's that's got to be tough. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll wrap up here with a uh, a final final. No, hey hey yeah on that on right? that. Let, sorry for interrupting. No, you, ahead, you've been to both. What do you think about Assembly Hall? I thought so. I went into Assembly Hall with high expectations. Um, and I don't want to say it didn't live up to expectations. I, so I was in the balcony and, um, that's not yeah, something that, that, that doesn't help. That doesn't help. We, we, we don't have a balcony. Yeah. Um, you can sit in the last row at Mackie, which I have many times uh, and it, it's still not a bad seat. So the view, the view wasn't great, uh, in terms of the atmosphere. So this was the, uh, you, you'll remember this game. I'm sure the, the Matt Harms game, it was the like 45 to 43, like Matt Harms final tip in game with, with okay, Carson Edwards yeah, and yep, uh, Jawan yep, Morgan. Yep. Um, it was just a rock fight. Uh, but yeah. you know, in terms in terms of the atmosphere, um, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty rowdy. Um, there were quite a few Purdue fans around us, so I feel like I wasn't fully you know immersed in everything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I would give it. I mean, I'm gonna sound like a homer, but if Mackey's a ten, I'm gonna give Assembly Hall like an eight and a half. I would say okay uh, is a good. And I've been to, uh, I, I live in Kentucky, so I've been to games at, at Louisville and both at uh, and University of Kentucky, and they're just like miles away, like three three out of ten in terms of atmosphere. So yeah, it was a good time. It was uh, yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I didn't know how people would act. Everyone was nice and cordial, though, with, uh, you know, a few comments on the way out. But everybody was good. So. Hey, hey, that's all you can ask for. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah it was fun. doesn't make you guys look like a bunch of assholes. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did get uh, flipped off as we were parking. But yeah, that's about <laughs> okay. it. Yeah, there was we were flying Purdue flags on the on the vehicle. Well, we why are you in, doing but... that in Bloomington now? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that probably wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the best idea. But no, yeah, it was it was a good time. I was I was happy to get to go. Uh-huh. Um, so we can do we can do margin of victory or, or final score or a combination of the two. But um, I'll I'll let you start. What's your what's your what do you think for a score or margin of victory this Saturday? Oh, I think uh, man, objectively, who you can't say that Purdue isn't gonna like win this game. Purdue Purdue is a monster right now. Indiana is struggling more than we have in the last three years. Hoosiers by two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, know. I just have to pray for you guys. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I sound like an ignorant idiot. It's, I am ignorantly optimistic in most things, in in the most in Indiana basketball. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really think that there could be a heroic performance by one of these guys that brings it out, that brings Indiana the victory. I saw it last season. I saw it. Yeah, and if if there's one player who has the breakout game, or, or who you know goes off for thirty, let's say, who who might that be? I think it's McKenzie. Okay. I, I think I think he just is is so talented that if it can all go right for forty minutes, it's gonna be something to behold. And that's a big if. That is a huge if. But man, I can hold that hope because that's pretty much all we got heading into this matchup in Mackey. Yeah, the guy the guy that has me worried is Galloway. Um, because it seems like there's a correlation between when he plays well and IU's ability to win. I mean, he, you know, IU didn't beat Kansas, but you know, he played. He scored twenty eight points in that game. Um, you know, went down to the wire. IU led most of the way. Yeah, because um, of him. Yeah. Yeah, he scored 25 against Ohio State in that major comeback. He's the one who, who I've just got to keep my eye on. Um, but I, last night I said, you know, Purdue by 10. And I, I still feel comfortable saying that. However, 
your prediction would not surprise me one bit just because of the emotional aspect and the the rivalry aspect and you know I, I, i've been to several purdue indiana games at Mackey, and they you know indiana draws a decent crowd i just i, I don't know there, there are so many unknowns and i would feel i would feel a lot more confident if this was any other team in the big 10 to be honest with you at home um you know, Purdue looks, I don't want to say they looked vulnerable against Northwestern, but Northwestern hit a bunch of really tough shots. But Northwestern came into Mackey and put in forced overtime. So, you know, I mean, any, anything can happen. But I, I, my official prediction would be, uh, would be uh, Purdue, Purdue by 10, 10 to 12, realistically. Um, and I think that my player would be Lance Jones. With his, he's just going to continue doing his thing that he's been doing lately and being a, that guy that takes over the game when, he, when we need him to. Lance Jones, man, he, he, he's been doing so well that – you have other fan bases being like, you, you just got here, man. Like, just, yeah. just well, you, you aren't Purdue basketball. Like, it's, it's, he has been just welcomed by that fan base. You can see it from the outside, but you're like, man, you just got here. Purdue basketball is forged over years yeah, of just yeah. ugly, bit, beat, like, just slow basketball. That's just, you know, the Hoosier perspective. But yeah, he's, uh, he, he, he's been an awesome, awesome, um, yeah, I'll call I'll, I'll call it a surprise. I think the, yeah. the coaching staff didn't even expect that he would, he would start. They thought he'd be a you know 10, 12 minute per game guy off the bench, come in when we need it when you need defense type of player. But he's been he's been really good, especially lately. I mean, he he's been doing his thing, but we saw like against Rutgers, for example, he only had four four points, but he had 10 rebounds and five steals. And all of his steals came like right as Rutgers was making a push to get back into the game. He would get a steal and, and just you know take it down, run some offense. And it so it just the timeliness of the plays is 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 pretty cool to see. But yeah, that's my uh, I, I think. I think him knowing, you know, this there's only nine games left this season. You know, this is only a season with Purdue, so I think that that emotional aspect will uh, lead him to do something pretty cool. But I'm pumped. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for this game. I've been this excited for a game um, probably since Arizona, honestly. So I'm 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 really pumped for this one. How are you feeling, Burke? Uh, I'm might not be as pumped just based on our road here, but uh, <laughs> uh, dude, it's Indiana Purdue. How do you not get up for? Yeah, absolutely. It? It's the best. It's the best, man. Absolutely. Well, if there's nothing else, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up. Uh, do want to thank everyone for tuning in. Again, be sure to check out Off and Dawned, um, you're on uh, on Twitter. Um, you, he does really cool graphics. That's one thing I got to give you props for, man, are those graphics that you put out. Yeah, thanks, Really, man. really good stuff. Uh, I know thanks. a lot of time goes into that. Uh, a lot of cool stats and uh, little fun nuggets about the team and stuff. Oh, before. You're being yeah. too nice right now. But, no, thanks. No, that's good <laughs> stuff. but thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, let's hope for a really entertaining game this Saturday. Absolutely, man. Hey, go Hoosiers. <laughs> we'll let you say that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Frank, again so much for having me on the Boiler Express podcast. Hey, guys, they aren't that bad. They aren't all that bad. The Boiler Express guys, some of the stuff they say might might <laughs> trigger the more, uh, you know, spiteful amongst our fan base, but they're good people over there on the Boiler Express podcast. I can't thank them enough for having me on. And, uh, yeah, let's get into a Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. My source for this is the Archives Online at Indiana University. I wanted to bring up this episode, The Crimson Bowl. The Crimson Bowl, which was in publication from 1947 to 1956 on campus. Sigma Delta Chi was founded at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana as a professional journalistic fraternity for men. Indiana itself established a chapter in 1914 with an overall goal to, quote, promote interest in journalism and encourage high ideals in newspaper work. You know, women women would be allowed in 1969, and in 1973, the national organization would eventually change its name to the Society of Professional Journalists, Sigma Delta Chi. And in 1988, the name was shortened to the Society of Professional Journalists. That's just a little background on the, pub the publishers of the Crimson Bowl before we head into it. In the winter, 
1947, the Indiana University chapter of Sigma Delta Chi published a satirical magazine called the Crimson Bowl. According to the very first issue of the Crimson Bowl, again released 1947, the magazine was intended to be the successor of a defunct student humor magazine, which was also named the Crimson Bowl. The, the OG Crimson Bowl apparently was published back in 1920, in a 1920 humor magazine. I bet it was a laugh riot. Probably nothing problematic in a 1920s college humor magazine. But no, they, they, they truly wanted to embody that original magazine because Lawrence Wheeler would act as the first faculty advisor to the new Crimson Bowl. And Lawrence Wheeler was also one of the co-founders of the original 1920s Crimson, Crimson Bowl. Keep it, in, keep it in-house. Following its first publication in 1947, the Crimson Bowl would see publishers release a new issue about uh, six to eight times a year. And that would be the case until what would be the last known issue of the magazine. Because, I mean, there could be more. There could be more. There could be the lost Crimson Bowl out there. But uh, the last known one was released in March 1956 under faculty advisor Chris Savage. You know, like a National Lampoon type humor rag. Just thought I'd share that. (laughs) nothing pertinent with the upcoming game with Purdue but uh yeah I just thought it was now you know there you go but this is just a history hit sometimes you get what you get thanks (laughs) thank you so much for listening to the Haunted Haunted Podcast I cannot thank you enough thank you thank you thank you it's been so fun taking on this hobby and uh just just getting in contact with guys like Tim guys like Frank it's it's awesome to see how this show is growing and see and just to think about what it could be I can't thank you enough if you like the show, please feel free to leave a review. Doesn't go a long way in getting me paid, but man, it goes a long way in helping me carry on. Helps, helps out the ego. I appreciate the hell out of it. If you'd like to give me a follow everywhere at Often Daunted, thank you so much. God bless you and yours, Hoosier fans. It's a big one Saturday. It's the biggest one Saturday. Hoosiers all the way. Let's go. God bless you and yours, Hoosier fans. Lux at Veritas. Go Hoosiers down with the boilers.